What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I'm Kenneth Arthur, and this is another bonus episode of Pod TST, something I'm calling Antilytics. And uh, let's just get right into it. You know, the first thing that does come to mind, it does not really have to do with analytics, but did anybody ask for a hundred jokes about uh, Justin Herbert's haircut from unfunny people? That's kind of my question about Twitter. When Justin Herbert gets a haircut, is the first thing we need a hundred different unfunny sports writers? And not even, I use the word writer loosely for a lot of these people, but is this what we needed today or any day is that something happens that people find funny themselves and they think the take needed here is mine. The joke needed here is the one that I'm providing. Um, this is apparently, this is what has happened to people on Twitter. Everyone, they need the clout and uh, they need the attention, but how, how do you even expect to break through the, Infl- the absolute flood of unfunny tweets, including yours, about uh, Justin Herbert getting a haircut. And everyone's think, well, I have my own original thought on this. It doesn't matter. Your original thought, uh, being an original thought, doesn't make it a funny thought. And we can't even scroll through Twitter. I don't even look at comedy Twitter. I only have a Twitter that looks at what's supposed to be tweets about the Rams and the NFL. And yet when Justin Herbert gets a haircut, a completely innocuous, meaningless, um, non-football occurrence, suddenly that's Twitter now is everybody's unfunny joke. And trust me, if you want a, an authority on unfunny, uh, you've come to the right place because, uh, I, I've spent $20,000 at uh, the UCB theater in Los Angeles. And, um, if anyone's an expert on not being funny, it's the guy who, uh, blew $20,000 at a cult. So, uh, if you don't know what UCB theater is, but you know, that is what has become of, I guess, sports Twitter, not comedy Twitter, which in itself has its own, um, you know, overload of unfunny people, but it's, it's so interesting that the modern sports, I'll say personality believes that the way in is, well, I, a PFT commenter was a, is, is by the way, a funny person. Um, PFT commenter understands humor and is not even really a sports guy. He's just a fan of sports who happens to be very funny I've interviewed him before. Uh, I don't know him, but I did interview him once for Rolling Stone and talked about what he sort of his background and what sort of brought him to the point of becoming such a popular person who could make money and make a living off of being funny about sports. I know most of the people here who are tweeting about Justin Herbert's haircut do not make a living from sports and certainly do not make a living from being funny. But in the world of Twitter and in their own world of their own Twitter, that's exactly what they're doing. And uh, well, it's it's like being an unpaid intern uh, for Twitter uh, to just put out your um, not hilarious take on Justin Herbert getting a haircut. 
which in itself is not interesting. Um, I understand that Justin Herbert had longer hair and now he has shorter hair. Uh, and maybe he doesn't have, you know, a strong hairline or, or maybe he doesn't, or it's too strong. Uh, yeah, he, he's got a young face because he's a young person. Um, and at least I guess, uh, I can look at one or two people who, have gone to photoshopping. They took, you know, five minutes. If you took five minutes to work on your Justin Herbert take, I guess I'll give you a little bit more credit than the person who saw it and said, oh, goody, goody, here's my chance to be funny. Uh, unfortunately, almost nobody is funny. And this doesn't just apply to sports Twitter, although what an unfunny group that is. Uh, it, it really applies to everybody, you know, 98% of people are not funny and that's, that's a fact and you know it. And that's why you do follow people like PFT commenter and why you wouldn't follow me. <laughs> you know, at least I, I, I woke up to the idea of nobody needed my joke, my crappy joke about Justin Herbert, but that's what the world is today. It's everybody thinking you need their thing, but really all anyone sees when they see your tweet is how it's not their tweet and it, that it wasn't good uh, to them. I wonder just, that's it. You know, you can just scroll through it. I, I don't even, I know that I don't need to take long to scroll through Twitter as, cause I'm doing it as I talk right now to find Justin Herbert tweets. I mean, I don't even know who most of these people are. Adam Leviton, because it's been retweeted into my feed here. Uh, and I don't even, you know, Daniel Popper, I don't follow him, so I don't mind that. DraftKings, what, who gives, uh, you know, DraftKings, who is this? Wrong answers only. It's the best when uh, you're not, not, not only are you not funny, but you take someone else's not funny meme that has been used 2.3 billion times to just say, I know that this will get uh, retweeted. I know that this will get replies because it's so easy and it's so familiar with people. It doesn't require me to do anything except just uh, something else that somebody else says. Uh, and in to fairness to Daniel Popper, he didn't really make it much of a joke. He just said that it's breaking news, which I guess the joke there is that uh, Justin Herbert, uh, that it's like actually is news when we know that it's not news. So what the news gives you is not news and tells you in a joking, ironic way that it is news, even though they know it's not news. And the joke is it's not news, but is there a job to give you news? Cause I thought it was, uh, no, now the joke is, uh, the, the job is to give you a joke. Uh, and then at least if you get that, you know, a bunch of people, Hey, here's my NFL update. Here's uh, a thing of a Justin Herbert. And uh, you know, and, and that was from someone else, but it's just one person tweets something. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, field Yates is a comedian. <laughs> you don't get like, it wasn't enough to be a professional sports writer or a professional uh, NFL reporter now everybody is a comedian, and that is quite interesting. I mean, that is what Twitter does, but I at least give credit to somebody who photoshops or 
um, is actually funny and maybe they don't work in sports, which I think is where you're going to find uh, funny people, people who don't work in sports. Uh, and that's sort of so much of uh, what is also built into analytics Twitter too, where people become experts on something like in this case, we're talking about comedy. People become an expert on comedy. Trust me. Like I said, $20,000 for me to go from not funny to becoming a guy who is not funny and $20,000 in debt, but isn't that funny? Isn't that the joke that I don't have the money? Uh, so we also get people who are not sports writers, but they're all of a sudden analysts. And uh, that's what's in their bio or their... They're nerds and they start their own website that says, hey, here's a section called nerd to human translator because I'm not human. I'm above a human. You're the people who don't understand things because you're too stupid. Uh, so here's my uh, translator for you. Um, I, I don't know. I've never written an article. I've never been paid to write about football, but uh, I am an NFL writer. If you don't know, I have a NFL Shield logo that I copy and pasted or photoshopped beside myself or, or whatever it is. And that is where you get all of these experts out of nowhere. Um, and speaking of experts and speaking of analytics, I want to talk a little bit about the LA Rams, which you're going to like because you're a Rams fan and, uh, we can talk about the Rams together and the Rams here, you know, they're six and three. I'm feeling pretty good about this record, feeling pretty good about the Rams having a top two, a top three defense, you know, in the conversation for best defense in the NFL. If you don't think that the Rams are in the conversation for the best defense in the NFL, it's because you have kind of soaked up uh, your own, like maybe your, or it's like you're soaking up the opinions of others that say, I know for a fact, based on DVOA or EPA or some other made up stat uh, that says that the Rams are not a top two or three defense. But if you watch games and if you see the way that they play or just generally, if you just know the, how good uh, players like Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey really are. And if you're not underrating players like Darius Williams and Troy Hill and John Johnson and Jordan Fuller and Micah Kaiser and Leonard Floyd and Terrell Lewis and Ashawn Robinson and Michael Brockers, uh, obviously I threw Robinson there in the end. He just started his first, uh, he just played in his first game for the Rams, but obviously I don't think it takes a, you don't even have to have a high level of intelligence uh, to see that the Rams have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And also, just to be clear, you don't have to have a high level of intelligence to talk about analytics. Again, I can be sort of uh, I can I, you know, I know a lot about comedy. I may not be funny but I know a lot about comedy. I paid to know a lot about comedy. Uh, I've studied it. I've thought a lot about it. Even if it doesn't work for me, you know, some people, if you can't coach or if you can't play, maybe a coach, uh, if you can't coach, maybe a play. I think that's uh, a lot of players get into the NFL because they've been trying to coach and they're, they're reaching 30 or 40 or 50 and it's time to give up the coaching dream. And then they'll uh, learn how to become a wide receiver. A lot of people don't know. That's how Deandre Hopkins got his start is he actually coached um, the Steelers and Panthers and three years at Albany. And then he finally started to become a wide receiver, I think, when he turned 42. 
Uh, see, again, I'm making a point. I'm not funny. And you can hear it in my lack of humor. But I also know a lot about analytics, even though I'm not smart. You're talking to a guy, and you're not talking to a guy. I'm talking to you. But let's call this a conversation. I'm a person who was in freshman math in high school when I was a senior. And when I was in college, uh, the only credits that were like in danger of me not graduating uh, were the three credits for math that after years and years of taking a bunch of math classes that did not, you know, uh, give me uh, actual college credit because it was like, you're not ready for even the college courses yet. I'm, why am I paying for it? I'm here. I was at a community college. I took like three math classes there that were like math 98, math 99, because I did horribly on some placement test. And so I was not, I am not good at anything other than adding, subtracting, subtracting, saying the word subtracting, multiplying, dividing. These are Phenomenal. I'm phenomenal at those things. Arithmetic, I can do it. I'm a great estimator. I'm a great guesstimator. Uh, I can do all of those things. When they start incorporating letters and graphs and, and this sort of uh, jargon into math, which, hey, I have yet to run into too many issues without it. Hopefully you're not a, uh, you know, a 15-year-old listening to this because I don't want to set you on a path where you give up on math, but maybe you don't need it. Uh, and I don't even think you need it to talk about DVOA or EPA. A lot of people, they can just take something uh, that someone else did, uh, create a graph with an x-axis and a y-axis, take a logo of a of all the teams, place them in one of the quadrants out of four quadrants, and call themselves an NFL analyst, an analytics expert, a writer for 538 Sports, uh, a writer for Football Outsiders. You know, I, like I just told you my history with math, I've written for Football Outsiders. I don't know anything about how they get to DVOA other than what Aaron Schatz has revealed, I suppose. And even there, I probably am lacking some amount of knowledge on the glossary of DVOA. So before we even get into DVOA for the Rams, which is, I think, somewhat absurd, uh, until we get into the Rams' absurd DVOA, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what DVOA is. Uh, because DVOA really is the thing that it drives football outsiders. It's probably the most cited advanced, if you want to even call something advanced, you know, it's the most cited analytical thing. You know, I, I've been around advanced stats and analytics in the sports world, I would say for 15 years. This is something that, as far as I'm concerned, and I could be wrong about this to some degree, kind of started in Seattle. It's sort of a Seattle was sort of the hub for footballs, or excuse me, for uh, sports advanced stats in America, beginning with a guy named Dave Cameron, who had a blog called USS Mariner. And then there was another writer, Jeff Sullivan, who wrote at the SB Nation's Mariner blog, uh, Lookout Landing. And Dave Cameron developed this website, Fangraphs. Again, there could be other people involved, and I don't know the whole story, but 
Fangraphs is Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron was a Mariners guy. Uh, Jeff Sullivan, obviously being in Seattle, read a lot of Dave Cameron probably. They became close. He went over, uh, eventually Jeff Sullivan went to Fangraphs, and then you had this whole place, which is Fangraphs. If you don't follow baseball, you know, they developed these advanced stats for baseball players because so many people had other questions like how to, they just wanted to know how to value a player. If he was playing really great defense, but he was a, had a low batting average, well, what's that guy worth? The Mariners used to have this guy named Michael Gutierrez. He was a gold glove center fielder, pretty mediocre hitter. But by this metric called wins above replacement or war, he was fantastic. He was one of their better players because of how good his defense was and the overall value that he brought to the team because of this. And I think a lot of people would start to look at these stats at fan graphs and go, if I know this, I have a better chance of making arguments and I'll be smarter because math is smart. And these numbers seem like they're calling it advanced stats or analytics that all sounds smart. And I want to sound smart. So give me that for more baseball and then football and basketball and the NBA and the NFL, you know, started to have this same desire. Could we have a wins above replacement? And there were a bunch of other stats, and there are a bunch of other stats at Fangraphs. And, hey, very useful tools. If I was the general manager of a baseball team, I would absolutely be using Fangraphs before I signed a player, or traded a player, or developed a player, or whatever it was. But I wouldn't call it, you know, the end-all, be-all. I wouldn't put uh, – I wouldn't trade some really great – player maybe for Michael Gutierrez necessarily just based on his wins above replacement. Maybe now I would, uh, who wouldn't want a Michael Gutierrez, literally the Michael Gutierrez. If he's done with coaching, it's time for him to start his career as a baseball player. But uh, I think that that was a poll that a lot of other leagues had in professional and not just the league, not the leagues, but people who followed those leagues. Somebody wanted to say, I'm the smart guy for the NFL. I'm going to be the fan grass for the NFL and football outsiders. There were a few contenders football outsiders kind of came away with the win. I think ESPN partnering with uh, football outsiders. And here you have uh, a very strong connection um, between DVOA and maybe it's like, oh, is this a wins above replacement thing for the NFL? I want single numbers. People want very, very simple things in life. People want the most simple thing that they can possibly get in life. If this is simple, then I don't have to think that much about it. I'll have more brain power to read Wikipedia later for six hours and go down a rabbit hole about, you know, that starts at Che Guevara and ends at banana splits. So that's what uh, people want to do. And if they can just go, hey, this person's rating, uh, maybe this person's PFF grade, you know, obviously pro football focus because of their partnership with Chris Collinsworth and getting mentioned on NBC every week, pro football focus and their grades, they just, they, they don't shut up about them. So you can't uh, get away from PFS grades anymore. And everybody just wants this single number. And if they can just go, I have a single number, then it's so much easier to start thinking like, well, great, we can rank these players. We can have lists and we can just say like, this is simple and this is easy and this is what I want. I just want the most simple 
thing fed to me on a silver platter because that's all I want. And DVOA was meant to be that. It's a single digit, but it was more for teams, but people don't want teams. People don't want defenses as much. They do like it, but they want players. And then they also tried to uh, attribute it to players, and that's really where DVOA falls apart the most. It's not something that I think even Aaron Schatz, at least when I talked to him, six or seven years ago, uh, not even something that he necessarily even denied that DVOA for players wasn't without its flaws. And you can tell that just by looking at DVOA for players using some common sense. And nobody is sitting around, even when you challenge, say, someone on DVOA or if you challenge PFF on a PFF grade, they say, like, this is crazy. Your highest rated tight end in the league is a blocking tight end, which is the case that PFF had uh, I would say like six years ago, five years ago. I can't remember the name of the tight end. He just blocked. He had like five catches and he was the number one tight end in the league by them. But if you went around and you said, that's crazy, they go like, well, that's not what we mean. Then you don't know really what the point of the grade is to begin with. Sometimes it's just so difficult to come away with a thought about, say, a guard without going like, well, can I really talk about this guard without some way to evaluate them because it's not going to work with Pro Bowl nods. It's not going to work with how many rushing yards the team gets. It's only going to really, you know, maybe it's just word of mouth and and coming out away from how coaches and teammates and players and, and the desire that teams have to have, like, say, a certain guard. The fact that Richie Incognito at age 38 or 39 or whatever he is and was out of the NFL in 2014 and then came back with the Buffalo Bills. Like the fact that he was out of the NFL in a Earl Thomas sized hole. That's how far down and out Richie Incognito was, which, by the way, people talk about Earl Thomas like his career is over. Richie Incognito was out, out, out of the NFL. And here he is five years later. You know, the guy that uh, was on the other end of Richie Incognito's uh, locker room bullying, allegedly, uh, I don't really recall all of the details, Jonathan Martin, uh, not in the league, but here we are five years later, Richie Incognito, he went, went to three, three or four Pro Bowls now, he went with three years with the Bills, two years with the Raiders, and um, you would just say, hey, I don't know what his grade is, but if the Raiders are still employing 38 year old Richie incognito. He's probably doing pretty good. If next year, nobody employs him. He probably wasn't doing that good. I don't know. That's kind of the the best way to evaluate offensive linemen, but it's understandable why people want to go to PFF grades because I can't wait till next off season. I can't wait till uh, the all pros are announced or whatever, but Here's DVOA, and there's several explanations on Football Outsiders, and I, I do recommend going to Football Outsiders. Check it out. Browse. If you've never been there, check it out. Browse. Get to know it. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. DVOA is something that should be used, but it's at the same time doesn't need to be referenced as being even more useful than yards. I mean, yards are pretty useless uh they're also something and at the at the end of the day someone having the most yards doesn't tell you something someone have the highest dvoa also doesn't really tell you that much it's not something that people you use dva would tell you and again i could i can i can say this because 
I've been writing about advanced stats for a decade. I've been writing about it for 10 seasons. I mean, I've had, I had a long running series about called advanced stats and it would just recount the advanced stats and I would go to pro football focus or uh, football outsiders, or there was another website that, that was long defunct that now I can't remember the name of it, or now I'll go to sports info solutions because they also track numbers. And I'm really more interested in someone tracking me. You know, it would be great. Just like next gen stats where it's just show me the routes. And then I can like think about a player. We can talk about, well, this player is always running this route, or you can look at sports info solutions and they'll tell you like, Hey, Jared Goff is, five of 15 when throwing intermediate left. And then you would just think, okay, well, uh, I guess he can't go left as much as he's killing it going right. What does that mean? If you were an opposing coach, maybe that would give you uh, a lot of information too. So there's good information here. But what DVOA really needs to admit is that it has so much missing information. Like every other stat it has way too much missing information to be that helpful. We're talking about players who were out, players who were injured, you know, anything. I mean, uh, weather, anything. There's so many factors that go into there's There's countless innumerable variables that go into results of sports matches uh, and games and contests, all of those different synonyms for the same word but let's talk a little bit about what dvoa is dvoa is dvoa is that's difficult when you have oa at the end and then an i the next word just try and say how difficult dvoa is uh here is a couple of explanations the ultra short version DVOA measures a team's efficiency by comparing success on every single play to a league average based on situation and opponent. So that is Football Outsiders' ultra-short explanation of DVOA. Why would Football Outsiders have three explanations on DVOA? Because if you go to footballoutsiders.com, then you go to the About tab, and you look at the uh, options there. Uh, you can go to the Outsiders Glossary, and then when you get to the Outsiders Glossary at the top, you can see you can just click on DVOA and other stats, and uh, they've got three ways to explain it. Now, why would you need three ways to explain DVOA, the ultra-short version, the short version, and explained in depth? Like I said, people want simple. People need simple. This is Aaron Schatz saying, I create a DVOA because I know people need simple. So I'm also going to make sure, and, and, and trust me, this, this short version and ultra short version did not exist as far as I can recall before this year. I've never seen this before. Maybe it's been around for years, but I've never seen this before. Uh, but it's just like, well, we had a, um, we had the in-depth explanation of DVOA. Nobody read that. Nobody's, nobody's probably ever read the in-depth uh, explanation of DVOA. Um, I might be the first. Uh, I don't even know if Aaron Schatz would have read it. You know, he probably would have been able to just close his eyes, type it out, send it in, and know that it was correct because he invented and created and and manicure uh, curates and manicures uh, DVOA. It's a very glamorous. It's got to look good when it's go out. Again, not funny. I didn't make a Justin Herbert tweet, and nobody needed yours. 
DVOA, the ultra short version. That was the ultra short version for the people who just said people did read the explanation. So they said, okay, God, well, I go to a short version, which is like five sentences. So they've got a five sentence version. Apparently that was too much for most people to read because then they had to go to the ultra short version and say, if you're going to talk to someone about people are out there talking about DVOA and others go, what do you mean? By the way, I feel like I also might be talking to an audience of not that many people in terms of who cares about my rant about analytics or DVOA. Maybe not that many people actually among sports fans know what it is, reference it, care about it, use it. I think that more, you know, do people actually think that running backs don't matter or is that just the circles that I run in? Because it does go up uh, the, the mountaintop, you know. It started like 10 years ago. I was talking about DVOA with people. This was not something that was on ESPN or the NFL network, or what I don't even know if it's on the NFL network. But eventually, these things had started rising up the ranks. You know, uh, there were certain people in certain analytical communities that started to uh, see themselves rise up and maybe get jobs at ESPN and, you know, wanted to make sure that people knew that they knew uh, what a DVOA was and, and that they could reference it to, to make a point about uh, Lamar Jackson or uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey or whoever it was. Um, Jalen Ramsey, I don't know. He doesn't have a DVOA. That's not something that exists for cornerbacks, by the way. Um, but, then all of a sudden it becomes more of a main, it's not, but is it a mainstream thing? I don't know. You know, this idea that running backs don't matter because it's like, it started off as, and I know where it started off because um, it, it started off with, I mean, it's been around. I was talking about it six or seven years ago. Uh, I, I know that I wasn't the first. It's not, a, it's not the newest idea when I was coming up with it, but I was still talking about it six or seven years ago. Um, had writers write about it. Maybe, maybe one of those writers ended up developing uh, his whole identity around it and uh, has not let that go. And so, but you know, if you, it, when it started to become the quote unquote smart opinion and not even like treated as an opinion, when it started to become the quote unquote smart thing to say that running backs don't matter, then you just didn't want to be the person who was called dumb. And so people are afraid to say that they disagree because they know, as I said in the previous Antilytics episode, they're going to get grabbed by the haunches and called stupid and just and, and flouted on Twitter among all of their quote unquote smart friends, because like the people who follow that user, um, a lot of them, if they have the mutual follows, whoever it is, it's going to be like, ah, ha, 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 let's all laugh at this person. And then you get all your uh, dopamine. But you get the DVOA, they had to make an ultra short one sentence version because they think that people can only handle simple stuff. Uh, this is the, them being a quote unquote nerd to human translator. That is a quote, that is a real quote. Uh, DVOA, they had to give you a one sentence ultra short version because apparently people weren't reading anything else. So here's the short version. DVOA is a method of evaluating teams, units, or players. It takes every single play during the NFL season and compares each one to a league average baseline based on situation. Now, we also know, uh, and I'm breaking in here, there's more of this to go, but when it says it takes every single play during the NFL season, it does this, obviously, 
by play-by-plays on box scores. You know, you can go to a box score for any game and see every single play that happened. They're on profootballreference.com, every game dating back to probably, um, I think, the 90s or late 90s maybe has the play-by-play. In order for them to do it, this is also why DVOA doesn't go prior to 1986 or 1985 because they don't have play-by-plays for back then and they don't have game footage uh, for every game um, and not accessible to at least Aaron Chats probably. But um, you just they don't but they don't watch every play. It's and it, because and, and even if they did, they, they, there is no gray area. There's no squishing around. It's very it's very simple. Uh, it's very rudimentary. It's 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 here's this thing. Here are the requirements. If it's first and 10 and you pick up one yard or two yards, not a very effective play. If it's third and one and you pick up two yards this is considered a very effective play. Both plays picked up two yards, but because one turned a third down into a first down, this is a fantastic play. The other play picked up two yards. It only you're a second and eight. This is a more difficult um, conversion. You know, if you're second and eight, you got a little bit of ground to make up, maybe. So this is considered to be a bad play. However, I mean, they're still picking up two yards. If you go, if you go, whatever, we're just going to move on. DVOA measures not just yardage, but yardage towards a first down. Five yards on third and four are worth more than five yards on first and 10 and much more than five yards on third and 12. So exactly what I just said. So I understand five yards on third and 12 where you're sitting there and you go, hey, look, the only play here that matters for us is 12 yards. We know that whether you pick up No matter how you pick up those five yards or whatever play you're working out there, we know that if you're at third and 12, obviously what you want is a first down because you want, you don't want the other team to have the ball because when the team that has the ball is much more likely to score, right? So uh, everything is about the score and I can understand saying like, Hey, but you can also just as easily, you know, run a play, like let's say a screen pass that uh, picks up five yards on third and 12 and you would say bad play. Like, it was like bad play, bad call, right? Like, is that it? You could also run that exact same screen pass uh, out of a hundred times and pick up, and then maybe one. You know, some of those times you're going to pick up twelve yards. Sometimes you're going to pick up twenty yards. Sometimes you know it could be it could be down to a block. It could be down to a great defensive play, or it could be down to a missed tackle. I don't see anything here that says that they are accounting for missed tackles. Five yards on third and four is worth more than five yards on first and ten. Again, seems like five yards to me. Seems like if you got, how did you know that third and four didn't start with a five-yard run on first and 10? Both plays took into account, right? Red zone plays are worth more than other plays. Performance is also adjusted for the quality of the opponent. DVOA is a percentage, so a team with a DVOA of 10% is 10% better than the average team, and a quarterback with a DVOA of minus 20% is 20% worse than the average quarterback. Because DVOA measures scoring, defenses are better when they are negative. So that's the short version of DVOA, and hey, great. I mean, if you don't know what DVOA is, 
I, I highly recommend, uh, well, now I don't have to recommend you to read that. I just read it to you. Um, but great. That is probably the best way to put it. And also shows all its flaws. Uh, well, maybe not all of its flaws. Shows uh, major flaws. Uh, and then you can have a more in-depth explanation of DVOA that goes for much longer. Not incredibly long. This is not something that uh, this takes about, I would say, three minutes to read. So uh, I'm not going to read it to you. But if you want to go further than that and see whether or not I have been incorrect in anything that I've said about it, which is entirely possible, go for that. You know, there's a lot of things that I'm not. And I've listed out quite a few. I'm not funny. I'm not smart. I'm not uh, short. (laughs) I'm not uh, from Connecticut. But uh, I, I, can, I can read this DV away and I think understand it pretty good and also understand. And it also, there are parts of this that are behind uh, um, the Wizard of Oz. I want to say cape, um, but eh, not the, Oz could have, uh, well, Oz is the place, right? So uh, he could have worn a cape though. So let's talk a little bit about how the, the Rams are viewed by DVOA. Now, if I were to ask any Rams fan on the street how they feel about the Rams and what their strengths and weaknesses are right now, I wonder how many of those Rams fans would say, well, their offense is really great. Their defense is pretty good. You know, that's that's where I see it. I think that I will say their defense is amazing and their offense is lagging. Of course, we have more. This is maybe somewhat predicated on recent history, which, again, DVOA does take into account recent history more so than earlier in the season, which I think is smart to do. Uh, I actually don't see it yet. Usually, uh, DVOA, there's a weighted DVOA um, as well on, on the DVOA section here. I actually don't see weighted DVOA, but weighted DVOA is supposed to take the most recent six weeks into a heavier account or the most recent six games into heavier account than anything before that. And since we are, you know, nine, 10 games into the season, I'm surprised that I don't see that yet, but we don't have that as of now. I don't know if weighted DVOA is not coming back. They have total Dave, which is, this says I don't know what Dave stands for. Dave combines our preseason forecast with games played so far to get a more accurate projection of how teams will play the rest of the season. Dave is currently 36% preseason forecast for teams with nine games played and 24% preseason forecast for teams with 10 games played. So maybe we're getting closer to weighted DVOA and getting away from Dave. But uh, I also don't know what preseason expectations matter one iota because they don't. Um, So looking at DVOA, I think uh, what we can find here is that the Rams are ninth overall. I don't necessarily take massive issue with that. Uh, In the NFC, that would put them behind the Saints, who are number one overall, the Bucks, who are number two overall, the Packers, who are number seven overall, and the Seahawks, who are number eight overall. And the difference between the Packers, Seahawks, and Rams is almost negligible. 
They they all have a decent small lead over the Arizona Cardinals, who are 11th overall, but three percent behind in DVOA, and uh, and and the Cardinals are are, are quite a bit behind the, the Packers, five percent. Uh, it's somewhat behind, um, but it's not so much where the Rams are. Obviously, the Se- uh, the Rams just beat the Seahawks considerably. And it was a, sco- a close-ish game, 23-16 in box score. And again, I wonder what DVOA do- did for the Seahawks in terms of <coughs> Seattle making it a closer game than it actually was because the Rams kicked their asses. Uh, uh, but the Rams are behind the Seahawks, whatever. Uh, the, the Rams are ninth in DVOA, and I, I kind of get that. I, I understand the strengths of New Orleans and Tampa Bay and Green Bay and even Seattle. And then in the AFC, you have the Steelers, Chiefs. They're behind also the Colts and the Ravens. The real odd thing here is that the Rams are fifth on offense and eighth on defense. They're also 29th on special teams, and, and special teams DVOA is beyond flawed. But they're... They're they're fifth on offense and eighth on defense, and if anything, it should be flipped. And if anything beyond, you know, the 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 really positive thing for the Rams in DVOA comes down to their their running game and uh, the 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 pickups that they've had from Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers in the run game. They run for a lot of touchdowns. I believe that the Rams are first or third. Or uh, 80th, uh, again, not funny. Uh, they're second in rushing touchdowns this season. Um, so a lot of their DVOA just comes from the fact that they get down towards the end zone and then Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown punch it in. I mean, they had three rushing touchdowns from those two guys against the Seahawks this week. Uh, so that boosts up their rushing DVOA. And they're first in rushing DVOA in the NFL, 17th in passing DVOA. And we do know that they, the L.A., especially early in the season, was running really efficient offense. Jared Goff was efficient for a while. They were picking up their third downs. They were just like they were just a nice, you would say, the uh, cliche, well-oiled machine. And uh, lately, that has not been so much the case, even against Seattle, against one of the worst defenses, which we can get into that. The Seahawks are only 23rd on defense by DVOA. So how many people feel the Seahawks are not in the bottom five? This barely puts them in the bottom 10 of defenses by DVOA. So the Rams are first in rushing, 17th in passing by DVOA. And defensively, the Rams are eighth overall. They're ninth against the pass and 12th against the run. I would say the Rams are second or third against the pass. I don't, I don't I have all of the things at my disposal, you know, as far as which teams should be ahead or behind them. You know, I understand the arguments for like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, right now, it's number one in pass defense DVOA, number one Tampa Bay, number two Pittsburgh, number three Chicago, number four Indianapolis, number five Washington, number six New Orleans, number seven Kansas City, number eight Miami, and then number nine LA Rams. Well, here's what I know about the LA Rams pass defense. Aaron Donald is the best pass rusher in the NFL, best pass, let's be clear, the best pass rusher because when he plays Rusher Wilson, he... Pashes him to the nether worlds. Uh, 
Uh, okay. Now that's what you get when a person who's not funny attempts a joke. Can you imagine if I had tried a Justin Herbert joke on Twitter? What an embarrassment. Um, the LA Rams ninth against the pass. I know that they have the best pass rusher and the best defensive player and maybe the best player in the NFL, Aaron Donald. So right there, they're better than ninth. They have Jalen Ramsey, highest paid corner, best corner, maybe, uh, you know, 30 coverage snaps or whatever it was against DK Metcalf, two catches, the PFF's grade for Ramsey was awful. Like they said, he was not very good. Maybe he got beat by DK Metcalf and wasn't getting the ball. I don't know. I don't know how exactly PFF knew that day after game or at right after the game. I don't know how they do. They don't have all 22 footage. They're not in the stadium. So I don't know where they got that. Uh, but so the, the, and I could be wrong, you know, in terms of, I don't know how great they are. Maybe Chris Collinsworth secretly has, you know, hidden cameras everywhere. Um, maybe Chris Collinsworth, maybe there's a bunch of Chris Collinsworths, you know, he, he somehow manages to do, to do all these games and he doesn't seem to get any older, neither him nor Al Michaels. So there could be just dozens of Chris Collinsworths out there tracking every game. I don't know how they do it, but Jalen Ramsey is an elite cornerback. Aaron Donald is more than an elite pass rusher. They've got Leonard Floyd with seven sacks, and then they've got a secondary that includes Darius Williams, who should be a pro bowler. They've got Troy Hill, who's one of the more underrated, you know, you can call him outside nickel, whatever. The guy, you know, it's funny because Ramsey, they put in the star position, which they call uh, something that just moves around the field and he can just kind of freelance and do his thing. But Troy Hill feels in a way like a star position type player too because he seems to be everywhere. He blitzes. He's in the slot. He's outside. He's causing turnovers. Uh, Troy Hill's doing a lot back there. John Johnson is the quarterback of the defense playing, call, making calls like, very clearly, um, John Johnson and uh, and and Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill and Darius Williams and now Jordan Fuller, who's basically played in four games this season, ha have constructed one of the best secondaries in the NFL, if not the best secondary in the NFL. They are all behind the best player on the team and in the conference and in the league in Aaron Donald, who is putting pressure on the offensive line in such a way with double teams and triple teams. I think he's the most double teamed player in the league still that, you know, Floyd has seven sacks. Terrell Lewis had two sacks the other day. Uh, he's the first rookie this season to have two sacks in a game. Uh, they are Troy reader even had 10 tackles and three sacks or uh, 10 or 12 tackles and three sacks. Like, they can play pass defense as well as any team in the NFL. They've played the number one scoring team in the NFL, and they essentially kept them out of the end zone after the first drive. I mean, they did. That's what they did. They only allowed three, two, two field goals after that. So did you hear that swallow? Maybe it was three field goals. One of them was 61 yards. That's how much defense that the Rams have. Ninth. They're ninth against the pass by DVOA. Ninth. 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 They're ninth. Eighth overall and ninth against the pass. Seventeenth. Uh, excuse me. Twelfth against the run. Uh, I was, I don't know, just looked at the wrong place. Uh, but they're twelfth against the run. It's incorrect. I mean, it's just incorrect. 
And that's fine. It's fine to be incorrect about stuff because total yards is incorrect. Passing yards allowed is incorrect. Net yards per pass attempt is incorrect. They're all incorrect. They're just opinions and we can all use it for something. But if somebody does cite DVOA, we must also cite how flawed it is. We must also acknowledge that just because a person uses DVOA, they ain't smart. Um, and I also say, uh, just in terms of individually, what DVOA says, number one player in DVOA this season, number one running back in DVOA is Daryl Henderson. Uh, Daryl Henderson is first in DVOA. He's got a considerable lead over Dalvin Cook, who's second, followed by Damian Harris of the Patriots, Ronald Jones of the Bucks, of the Bucks, Miles Sanders of the Eagles. Then you've got Malcolm Brown. Brown is sixth. Why is Brown sixth? Because the Rams offense puts these guys in position to just get one or two yards, which is fine. Great. Fantastic. Three or four yards. They do that. The offensive line, all this kind of stuff comes together. Malcolm Brown is higher in DVOA than Derrick Henry, who's seventh. And then you've got Antonio Gibson, Latavius Murray, Alvin Kamara rounds out the top 10. Interesting, right? Receivers, DVOA, number one receiver in DVOA, Justin Jefferson. Across the board, number one in defensive yards above replacement, which is another one. Defensive yards above replacement is what they're actually trying to make as the new wins above replacement. In some way, it says, like, here's a baseline. I can give you some yards that they did more than I think that the the average, the replacement receiver would do because of his skills and his abilities, which, by the way, if that means that defensive yards above replacement, which does exist for running backs, if that's a stat for running backs – how I, how can you have this argument that running backs don't matter and call yourself advanced stats analytics person? How, I, how could Aaron Schatz or any of these people that would say it say that running backs don't matter if you have a stat called defense-adjusted yards above replacement or yards above replacement? How do you have a stat called yards above replacement if running backs don't matter? Dalvin Cook has 236 yards above replacement or defensive uh, defense adjusted yards above replacement, which is more than every receiver except for Justin Jefferson. So why wouldn't Dalvin Cook be more, you know, considered more valuable to his team than Julio Jones, who has 204? Or Devontae Adams, who has 190. Or Tyreek Hill, who has 158. Or DeAndre Hopkins, who has 146. It doesn't really line up. There's there's huge, I mean, the only thing that does line up is that there's huge contradictions with everything that most analytics people say. And they don't address the contradictions because they don't have to, because they don't address anything unless they can make fun of it. Like, so if any of them listen to this podcast, that's all they're going to do. They're not going to listen to anything that I say except to say... Screw you. And you are not funny. Hey, I got to you. I got me first. Okay. I watched eight mile and we all know what rabbit did. Okay. That's why rabbit was one of my favorite uh, rappers growing up. Okay. Everybody knew uh, rabbit. Is that, was that his name? I think it was anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm punking myself. So you can't. All right. I already punked myself. And by the way, you went to Cranberry. That's a private school. 
What is it? Cranberry? You went to Cranberry. That's a private school. <laughs> uh, so Justin Jefferson is first in DVOA. It's not even a contest. 54.4%. Justin Jefferson, number one. Julio Jones, number two, 32.5%. Now, is anyone at Football Outsiders coming out to say that Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the NFL? They should. That's what this says. This is what DVOA says. Defensive adjusted yards above replacement. That's what it all says. So I hope that at least that that's what they're agreeing with, that Justin Jefferson is the number one receiver in the NFL. Julio Jones is the number two receiver in the NFL. That's fine, right? Will Fuller is the number three receiver in the NFL. Uh, Chris Godwin is the number four receiver in the NFL, although he's 17th in DYAR. Cole Beasley, my favorite number five receiver in the NFL. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Cole Beasley, number five, best receiver in the NFL. We haven't, you know, think of all the guys who have not been named yet. Well, guess what? There are no Cole Beasley, DK Metcalf, number six, AJ Brown, number seven, Mike Evans, eight, Corey Davis, nine, Adam Thielen, 10, Hunter Renfro of the Las Vegas Raiders, number 11 in DVOA. DJ Moore, number 12, Scotty Miller, number 13, T Higgins, number 14, Devonte Adams, number 15, Tyler Lockett, number 16. I'm, there was a reason I'm saying everybody's name here. Marvin Jones, number 17, Calvin Ridley, number 18, Travis Fulgham, number 19, Tyree Kill, number 20, Emmanuel Sanders, Keelan Cole, Tim Patrick, Randall Cobb, Christian Kirk, Number 25. So that's your top 25 receivers in the NFL. You notice who I didn't say? Number 26, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is 26th in DVOA. He just caught the pass of the season. DVOA didn't give him a million points, I guess. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins just made the catch of the season. Three defenders around him nonsense that anybody could get their hands on that ball and grab it in and haul it in in that situation on that play. Number 26 in DVOA, number 14 in defensive yards above replacement. Now, they can have explanations for this and that and the other thing about how these numbers were calculated and how they come to this and, well, look, the Arizona offense is this and that. Well, then you need a new stat. You need a new way to look at the Arizona offense to figure out that, DeAndre Hopkins is number one in DVOA and number one in defensive yards above replacement. Because, I mean, what if you're going to have a single number, and that single number should be accurate, right? Uh, so that's that's where sort of like DVOA is with wide receivers. And, and if we included wide receivers who did not qualify because they didn't get enough targets, uh, because this is a minimum of 40 targets, if you go down to the uh, 39 and below targets, Nelson Aguilar, uh, is uh, number one in defensive yards above replacement there. But then you would have guys like Alan Lazard, um, Charles Sims, uh, Brian Edwards, Richard Higgins, uh, and it just goes on and on, the players that are better than DeAndre Hopkins. So that's a little bit where DVOA is at right now. This is uh, my ability to just sort of rant about something without having to uh, hear back. So that's, that's just something I wanted to get out there about a don't tweet bad jokes and uh, B don't talk about something that doesn't quite have, you know, it's, it's, it's flawed is, is what we're getting at here. It's, it's flawed. I've been the person using it in the incorrect way for years and years. 
I will strive to not use it incorrectly in the future. It is simply another thing. And it is another thing just like yards that you can talk about with regards to, well, maybe this is an area to focus on. Maybe this is an area where they're a little bit weaker than they seem. Let's be very clear that DVOA is not predictive of anything. It doesn't predict who will win the Super Bowl. It doesn't predict who will come close to win the Super Bowl. To just say, well, this is a good team, anybody could do that. Anybody could just look at some team and go, like, yeah, this is a great team. But oftentimes it doesn't help you decide who's going to win a game. It just simply is. And... Uh, and I appreciate it. I just, this was actually my, uh, this is actually just me giving an ode to DVOA, to football outsiders, to everybody out there uh, who uses analytics. This is really just my way of honoring you and thanking you and to say, here we, you know, let's all come together and hold hands and um, make fun of haircuts. Uh, that's it for this episode of Antilytics. Come back if there ever is another one.